Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, and welcome to Concussion Talk Podcast. This is episode 47, and uh, we'll be talking about concussion in women and girls. But before that, I would like to thank my sponsor, Hatchet Health. Hatchet Health bridges the gap in concussion, concussion care through simple and powerful technology. If you visit HatchetHealth.com, join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Trek Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada, who rely on HeadCheck to improve communication and optimize care. And now I'd like to, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm Nick Mercer, and the host of Gleesuck Podcast, so thank you again for joining us. And uh, <laughs> we're, I'm talking to uh, Megan Adams, Megan, Megan Adams now. And Megan, I can find her, her intro stuff here. She's very, very accomplished. So Megan is a visited postdoc, postdoctoral fellow at York University and Toronto Rehab Institute and his adjunct professor, clinical adjunct professor at McMaster University's School of Rehabilitation, Rehabilitation Science. She also does, for her research, Megan, Megan, the goal of her research is to improve rehabilitative strategies as well as metrics to, for to return to work and activities of daily life by understanding the consequences of concussions on neural path, neural integrative path processes and pathways. So, Megan, could you please expand what I just jumbled up there? You didn't jumble it up. You did a well. good job. Um, yeah, thank you for having me, Nick. This is great. Um, uh, like you said, I'm a postdoctoral fellow, which means I am a full-time researcher. Um I work at Toronto Rehab Institute and York University, and I study um, people who have persistent concussion symptoms. Um, by training, I'm a physiotherapist, and that's where I started my career. Um, I worked uh, full-time in clinical practice and saw patients who had had brain injuries and, and uh, required vestibular rehab, and in the course of seeing these clients, um, I started to see some 
I started to ask some questions. Like they, they were telling me things that, uh, you know, they'd have trouble in grocery stores or big environments. And, and I knew that these things weren't cognitively demanding or physically demanding. So I thought maybe there was a chance that there was a sensory demand. And um, these questions about how people with persistent symptoms manage um, complex sensory environments, that led me to go back to school and do a PhD. So I did that uh, while I was working and seeing patients. And it was awesome because the people that I was seeing in clinic really informed the research and the questions I was asking. Um, and allowed me to kind of bring things back and forth from the between the clinic and the lab. Um, and I finished my PhD in uh, January of 2018. Oh, and thank you. Um, I started this position uh, as a postdoctoral fellow. And my research now is, like I said, focused on people with persistent symptoms. And I'm still interested in the sensory issues that come after concussion. So I look at people uh, who's, who's, some people whose symptoms have gone away and some whose symptoms persist and um, look at how they manage to integrate vestibular and visual information, um, which can sometimes be challenging for people, and how they manage to integrate cognitive demands with uh, a motor task. Um, I'm particularly interested in people who are like working age, so not the yep. high school athletes that um, seem to get a lot of attention. And um, because of where I work, I get to use some really cool tools. So at Toronto Rehab, we have virtual reality, um, nice. a, 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 yeah, a really, a really cool virtual reality setup. Really immersive and then, or? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a big 240 degree screen, and um, we can put uh, we can put a treadmill in there or a force plate. I use the cool. force plate, um, but there's a, there's some really cool technology that we have access to. And then at York, um, I'm working in a lab that places a really big emphasis on tablet based computing and uh, making objective assessment tools that are portable and easy to use in clinical settings. So um, that, and that's, I think, a really important uh, part of concussion uh, management that we can talk about more if, if we're interested later. Cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's... Sorry, me head of, <laughs> just yeah, don't... No, don't be sorry. It's all good. Um, yeah, so I noticed that... Uh, so you're saying that sensory... The, yeah. the, the, the sensory system... But do you still have a clinical, a clinical practice? Or do you concentrate mostly at mostly teaching mostly and research. research? Yeah, yeah. And also, actually, well, I just integrated. It's integrated. I saw on Instagram you posted about the biosocial, biopsychosocial model for research from for brain injury. Yeah. So, and I think that actually can hopefully will. I think it goes well with this next topic, which the next the main topic of our conversation, which is concussion in women and girls. And actually, I read on your on your blog One Brain Neuro, which is onebrainneuro.com. Um, uh, it was an article you wrote last March, International Women's Day, March eighth or fourth or whatever it was. Yeah, um, it was something like that. I can't remember. It was exactly. about about concussion women and girls. And uh, so, what did what did you, I mean? Obviously, you you like you're interested in this topic is for professional reasons, but. Um, but do you have, have you found there's there like a, an obvious 
connection between your your research in the integrative engineering processes and uh, and uh, congestion symptoms and lingering symptoms for women and girls or yeah there there is um what the what the research is starting to show it's it's coming out slowly but it is coming out um and we're seeing that women and girls are um particularly at risk for persistent symptoms which is what i i look at you know sensory changes in people whose symptoms don't go away the way that we'd expect and um women and girls are more highly represented in that group so for um whatever reason there are a couple hypotheses but for whatever reason uh, symptoms women and girls tend to report more symptoms and more severe symptoms than um similar groups of of males and the there have been over the past you know, decade or so, uh, a number of different theories about why this is. Um, the research that's starting to come out now that I think is really interesting is there's there may be a hormonal connection. Um, I read about that yesterday as well. Yeah. Read about yeah. the progesterone and the, uh, what's yeah. the other one? There's the estrogen and progesterone. Yeah. Yeah. That. And and it seems to so those the levels of those hormones fluctuate depending on where. Uh, a woman is in her menstrual cycle and there seems to be some idea that where a woman is in her menstrual cycle at the time she sustains a concussion um, has something to do with how long it will take to recover in some cases so um, and and the natural uh, connection from that is hormone levels are probably involved have you have you noticed anything when you're doing research about with uh female participants in your studies about uh sensory the the sensing real complex integrated processes and sensory have they sensible around them have you noticed any connection between menstrual cycle the progesterone hormones and that's one of the things that we want to look at um we're going to do hormonal assays in a subset of our patients um the, the studies that I'm working on right now aren't finished, so I don't have, you know, yeah. conclusion stuff. But yeah. we are going to do um, hormone assays in a subset of these patients who are female and who are having um, persistent, like, visual and vestibular symptoms to see if we can uh, get some more information. Because at this stage, it's really, it's, it's really at the information gathering stage. Right, right. So... So when for women and girls, I know you you mentioned in the article that the, the, you don't in the article they wrote Christian women and girls, which I just have up now. You mentioned that in in that particular article you wrote, you're not you don't distinguish between gender and sex because because of just yeah. for that for that because there's their interplay as you mentioned. But um, do you is there do you, are you do you find is there any connection between the, the gender and and biological sex for what do you think is the main the main driver for, or do you don't you can't say now? So I don't want to forget that question. Um, we it's it's hard to say. Like yeah, the so the the one hypothesis is that um, these differences in symptoms, uh, or or symptom th- these differences in presentation between females and males have to do with hormone levels, and in that case, we're looking more at biological sex. Yeah. like that's you know hormone levels, but gender refers to how people are socialized and yeah. how 
they identify. Um, so reporting, and, le- reporting levels, what you're thinking of, like suck it up for men, women are yeah, more cl- inclined to. Socialize. Yeah. 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 We, we socialize uh, males and females differently, right from, right from uh, birth. So yeah. um, the, the trouble is these studies are so um, early, like we're so early in the, in the journey that we don't, we don't know if it's sex that matters more or gender or both or if we're completely on the wrong track altogether and we need to be looking at something else. But it's only in the last few years that people have been asking these questions. So I think we're we're on the right track to kind of do better by uh, our female patients. Because I know I know most of the research is obviously in theme like in uh, male like hockey players and football players and questions from pro the, the pro leagues or ever so um but also women the, the the females have not been studied as like no it's not a 50 50 study obviously but i mean in say in labs that are not doing research on sports is there more of a 50 50 balance between participants like is there more even yeah it's more evenly represented um and people are starting to recognize now that there, there are probably differences between men and women, differences that we don't understand. So they're trying to do, we as, as researchers are trying to do a better job of getting samples that are evenly representative of males and females and um, analyzing them to see if there are group differences rather than, you know, putting everybody together and just analyzing it all as one big yeah. uh, data set. So you're trying to get a bigger data set of the women uh... A female, women and girls, I should yeah. say, female. Yeah. Uh, so for your for your for your integrated processes and and uh, and and your what else are you doing your your integrated processes and and just how so how that works in sensory sensory mm-hmm. issues. So how, do you do you, is there a way that you do it to to make it different for men and women for for male and female participants in your in your research? No, I don't set up the studies differently for for males or females. No, um, that wouldn't be that biased results, but uh... yeah, um, I mean it's it's a good question. It's a legitimate question, and it's probably uh, something that we may need to do down the line. But as of right now, um, no, everybody goes through the same protocol, um, and then I look at and I'm I'm making sure that uh, I have even numbers of male and female participants. So I'm not, uh, you know, overly biased toward one or the other. Um, and then looking at the data and analyzing differently, uh, or not analyzing differently, but analyzing the two groups separately uh, as well as putting them together so that I can compare between the two groups. Um, the, I do have another project that's, that's in the works. It's just sort of in the, the ethics stage and that's the one with the hormone assays okay. that one will just female participants okay. because and, we're looking at differences in hormone levels right right so actually i'll just read the this section you mentioned that you started off your interest to get back to a to, to a phd from your physical therapy your pt thing was a persistent no of persistent symptoms and no and you was and you as you mentioned in your article that there, women, women and girls tend to suffer longer with post concussion syndrome or post concussion dis- disorder. 
So was that what did you notice that when you first said oh, I better I should I want to go back and do more? Did you notice so it was when or just thought oh this whole area of subject matter is interesting? Um, it was a little bit of both. I I had a caseload that was definitely more. Uh, I definitely had more women on my caseload, more female patients. Um, yeah. It was hard to tell if that was just because like I'm a woman and they felt comfortable with me or or what what the reason was. Um, but I had um, I had some really interesting um, patients who, you know, some of them were pregnant and having trouble and then they delivered the baby and their symptoms got better. And, and you know, there were some um, there were some hints at that point that hormone levels mattered. Um, and uh, but it wasn't specifically a, a sex or gender question that brought me back to my PhD. It was like, mm-hmm. why are these people having persistent, um, persistent symptoms? Why why do some people get better and some people don't? And then just delving into that question a little bit more kind of made me think or, or made me recognize the the sex and gender differences. And you, you hope to find out more from your hormone, hormone assay as well. But yeah, that. that's one of the and, things. Uh, okay. Speaking of the hormone assays, is, uh, for, preg- for pregnant women or women in pregnancy or nursing, or, is there, have there been, and obviously that haven't been hardly any studies on females, nope. but there's been nothing about nope. how, how that affects or how. Nope. There's they, absolutely nothing. Which is, a, I know, isn't that crazy? That's I, a lot um, of stuff. I went to a talk a couple years ago with uh, one of the, the researchers who's, who's kind of leading the, the research in this area. He, you know, he was part of the group that did one of the early studies on hormone levels. And that was one of the things I asked him because I was treating patients who were pregnant and who were uh, not a lot of them. But, you know, I had a few who had had brain injuries while pregnant or concussions while pregnant and yeah. uh, or got pregnant later. And um he, it, there's just not enough of them. The, there no. haven't been any studies. Um, it's hard to clear those kinds of things through ethics because as soon as you say, you know, pregnancy in vulnerable populations, people right. get kind of scared. Yeah. Um, but they are, they're um, questions that we need to ask and studies that we need to do. Which makes your the other one the question I was about is there you mentioned with your last headline in your article is that women are they concussed differently they're concussed mm-hmm. differently and uh, that's another area where you obviously it's difficult to get a yeah. uh, the ethics thing would be difficult to get yeah. around but work with with the uh, domestic violence and and uh, women because yeah. men can just examine we can just say oh I got hurt playing hockey or playing soccer or I got a fell down or I got head to head or elbow to head or whatever, but women who are or, or mostly women who are obviously victims of domestic violence, I mean, yep. that's an issue that they necessarily don't want, don't want to even let people know, and so must, that must be very hard to get, and that's an important issue, important population, I would think. Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, women do get concussions in sports yeah. and yeah. work injuries and all kinds of things, but there is a, a subset that uh, get brain injuries related to domestic violence that um, there, there are some, uh, groups in like out in Vancouver, there's a group of researchers that are focusing particularly on that. Um, and it's, it's important work for, for a whole variety of reasons. There's social reasons and then there's the scientific side of it too. And you've just done mostly research with, uh, 
with women who are overworking age, you said. But so that's do, my do, focus right now. Yeah, my okay. past work has been on sort of, you know, age twenty to thirty. But I, I think if we if we look at this working age population, um, they're they're huge contributors to the econ- economy, and that's when there are hormonal changes for right. women. Um, and uh, when I say working years, age, so yeah. yeah, yeah. When I say yeah. working age, I mean uh, like age. 30 to 60 okay. so you kind of capture that menopause stage you don't get the teenager okay. years but i think those are those years are represented well in in other research projects and and this is just the one that i'm focused on at the at the moment it, it, yeah with, with so many issues are with with menopause with childbearing years childbearing, with yep. with uh, with domestic violence and uh there's, there's so many issues to delve into with this in the in age population you were saying 30 to 30 to 60, especially. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but before that, uh, for, for say, strength and for, I mean, this could be in, gir- in women and girls from teenage years upwards. Have you noticed any difference in, in like, does you think this makes strength and, and size as a... There, there, uh, that may have something to do with it. Um, different studies have shown different things, but there is the idea that it, you know, women have have um, smaller, smaller necks, smaller smaller frames, frames. Yeah. yeah. Um, for a while, people were saying, you know, um, like women's hockey is supposed to be non-contact. Yeah. So which is... if you get a hit playing hockey in a non-contact league, maybe you're less prepared for it, or you don't expect it, or um, and and all of these are ideas some of them are more there's more um, scientific basis for some of them than others and I think right now the one the one that I'm most interested in obviously I'm biased but I'm most interested in the hormone hypothesis right but, yes so yeah. actually did you do you play any did, or did you or do you play any sports that you're that yeah. are particularly hard on the body <laughs> well um I, uh, when I was in high school, I was on the rowing team. Oh, yeah, um, so there's not really much concussion risk there. No, um, so. And uh, I, right now, my my big, the sport that I spend the most time doing is running. But I've uh, in the past done a lot of cycling. Um, okay, which I know as well. Yeah. You know a lot about that, yeah. yeah. And uh, I, I did. Well, you've had you've had uh, yeah, more experience than most. No, no, not a long time though. Just a long time, one time. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, not, not a bunch of years. Um, and then uh, I did when I was. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Oh, it's probably 10 years ago now. I did a women's learn to play hockey camp because I had never learned to play hockey. And I decided at the age of like 27 or 28 that I wanted to learn. So I did that for yeah. one winter. And that was really fun. I was really, really terrible. But it was a really good time. Was it was it rough? You didn't get, have you, okay, well, that's two kind of combined question, I guess. Have you ever had a concussion? No, I've never had a concussion. No. No. Not, not from any of the because Jim Hockey fell along and no, running no. running won't get dead unless you really. have a bad fall. And yeah, run. no, I uh, it was so I I got into this because I was uh, when I started my physio career I just I had I had uh, thought I was going to be a sport physio and I was going to be on the sidelines and and work with athletes and travel with teams and right. Um, I did a fellowship at the Fowler Kennedy Sports Medicine Center in London, which was a fantastic experience. London, Ontario? Uh, London, Ontario, yeah. Ontario, Canada, okay. And uh, that allowed me to uh, – I got exposure to all kinds of different areas of physio. And, and in Canada, we have um, certification exams. So I was preparing for my sport physiotherapist certificate exam. And concussion was part – of the curriculum, part of the, the stuff that I had to learn. And um, I hadn't really been exposed to it while I was in school. Uh, we didn't really talk about concussion. We talked about more severe brain injuries and, and the movement requirements, but we didn't cover concussion very much. Um, this was a while ago. I mean, I graduated from physio school in 2008, so things have changed since then. Yeah. But um, And I just, I found it fascinating. I, I, thought this was so interesting and this injury was like it, it just uh, for for whatever reason and I still don't really know why I got hooked um and I was able to see a few patients with concussions while I was doing this fellowship and I learned some things that um could help in the rehab process 
So when I finished the fellowship, I got a different job at a sports medicine clinic working with a, a sport physician. And I talked to him and I, I convinced him that, you know, physio could help some of these patients. And, and he referred a few and um, I, I started to do rehab with them. And this was all around 2011, 2012. So Sidney Crosby at that time was oh, yeah. recovering from So concussion was everywhere. It was in the news. Yeah. It was, And so I started, like patients started to come in. They started to realize that, you know, they shouldn't just, they didn't just get their bell rung and they shouldn't just shrug it off and keep going. Yeah. Um, so I started to build up this this practice of people who um, needed help. And that was when I started to see patterns and commonalities and ask questions. And I, I hadn't intended to do a PhD. I just wanted an answer to some of the questions that I had. Um, but going back to the literature and the evidence, the, the answers weren't there. So I... Uh, decided I would do a study and it, it turned into a PhD. <laughs> <laughs> Did yeah. you just study before you decided to go to school or you just, just studying well, to go to school you did the study? Like, I, I, decided, I decided I wanted to do this study. I wanted to ask these questions and um, I, there's, there's, and, and that's great when you, when you kind of like have the idea, but the logistics mm -hmm. of it are, like when you delve into it, they're not that easy. So I needed, you need, you, know, you need the university. I needed resources. I needed <laughs> a supervisor. I needed yeah. somebody's advice. I, right. and I contacted, um, a professor that had taught me during my physio, uh, school. And I said, look, this is what I want to do. This is the question I want to ask, you know, can you help me? Yeah. And she said, well, if you're going to do all that work, you might as well, get a credential you might as well turn it into a phd and i was like yeah. no but i don't want to register in the university yeah. and like all of that i'm not really i just want to do this study like i just and she's like think, think long and hard about this because like you know funding who's going to pay you to sit around and do research when you're not seeing patients and i was like right. oh that's a good so it it did <laughs> there were some advantages to doing it as a phd but in um in my career since then, I, I spend a lot more time educating um, clinicians and uh, physio students now. And my advice is if you are interested in getting involved in research, you don't have to do a PhD. Like I did. That was kind of how things went for me. But in, in my research that I do, I am always looking for, you know, clinician collaborator collaborators because my clinical experience has really informed the work that I do now. Right. And yeah, if, but... if people, I say to people all the time, if you're, if you're a clinician and you want to get involved with research and, and you don't want to take on a PhD, you don't want to do the whole thing, like reach out to somebody who's doing stuff that you're interested in because I am sure any researcher would be thrilled to have, um, a practicing clinician help them out in any way that they can. That's a good advice. Yeah. And to, 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 to generalize, which I know you shouldn't generalize, mm -hmm. but I want this point, uh, to, there's more, there are more females in, in the physio school and rehabilitation school, as you notice in your, at, at McMaster. So have you noticed that there, there's more interest in females and concussion in the, in your rehabilitation school? It's more, 
Uh, I haven't or, asked actually. No. The uh, I, I don't I haven't asked about the female question specifically. Um, but when I when I work in the physio school, I I do um, problem based learning tutoring, so I get to work one on one with a small group of students. And when I tell them what I do, they're they're the Males and the females are very interested and have lots of questions, particularly after they've been out on a placement and they've seen patients. They come back and they, you know, they have lots of questions and yeah. how things work. And that's your, that's your, but, that's your viable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are definitely are. I mean, my physio class in we graduated in two thousand and eight. Um, there were forty six of us in the class, and I think six were guys. Okay. Yeah. So, so definitely at that time, and it still is now, um, the ratio yeah. might be a little bit better, but at that time it was very skewed toward women. Well, yeah, but that would also be a hope help, help shape this new area of research Absolutely. you're hoping to get into. And, yeah. uh, speaking of, of this era, so, uh, I mentioned before your Instagram post on biopsychosocial, biopsychosocial, yeah. um, a model for brain tree. So can you explain what that is exactly what you're hoping to do with that model yeah sure um that's a in it, the rehab professions and, and i think medicine more generally we're we're starting to recognize that um people are maybe more complex than uh just the condition that they have we're not starting to recognize that we've always known that but we're doing a better job of acknowledging it now um and Thinking about uh, a condition or an injury or a client in terms of a biopsychosocial model means that you're thinking about how their biology is affected. So in the case of brain injury or concussion, the biology is affected because there is a brain injury. Something has happened to a biological structure. Um, the psycho and social parts of a biopsychosocial model refer to the fact that the injury doesn't live in isolation. So it, there's, again, coming back to a brain injury because that's that's kind of how I framed it in that model you're talking about. There's this injury to the brain, which is a biological structure, but that has psychological effects. And the combination of those two things impacts a person's social life. So when you mm. think about an injury or you know, the patient in front of you, if you're a clinician, you need to think about all of these aspects. You can't give somebody or you shouldn't give somebody a whole bunch of, you know, rehab exercises and homework um, when they have, you know, social responsibilities. They have family or um, other other demands on their time. And you need to consider how the words that you're using affect the way that they feel because we've an example of this is we're trying as a community to switch from saying post-concussion syndrome or persistent concussion symptoms to prolonged concussion symptoms because the um, the vibe with those words is a little bit different. When we say right. somebody has prolonged symptoms or they have post-concussion syndrome, it's like... Or they still have them, yeah. Yeah, they have it's a diagnosis and it's really heavy and they're living with it. If we say that your symptoms are prolonged, there's yeah. more hope with that. They're, they're yeah. taking a long time to get better, but there's no implication that nobody's implying that they're not going to get better. And um, that's that's part of that psycho, psychological part. We need to acknowledge um, how our words affect the way people feel. Right, right. And so I, I did. I made a... a 
and, and a bio, biopsychosocial model, I, I first heard about it from a pelvic floor researcher um, who, who does, you know, research on pelvic pain and stuff. And it was about how pelvic pain affects all aspects of people's lives. And I thought about it for a while and it, it applies just as easily to brain injury. Um, and Which I makes teach a lot course, of sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I teach courses to clinicians and I wanted to somehow include that or encourage that type of thinking in the people who take my courses. And um, I was trying to put together a model and, and I put it on Instagram because there's um, so many really, really smart, engaged uh, clinicians and scientists on Instagram who uh, I've connected with and, and uh, have given me, uh, I've learned a lot from. And so I thought if we put that out there and they can kind of tell me how to tweak it or make it better before I pass it around to, to more people, that would be um, valuable. Yeah, I've, I've tried to share it too. I think it's very imp- it's very important because I mean, also when I when I my my injury, that was before you finished your 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 physio school. But uh, there was a you know not much was in a brain injury and concussion yeah. and and well, also I ended up having fantastic. My physiotherapists were all great, and I had one Jane Shears who was just amazing. But uh, and she knew a lot about. Neuro, neuro rehab, but uh, there still wasn't in the medical community in general. There wasn't much knowledge about about brain injury, and uh, except obviously it's the neurosurgeons and yeah. that knew, knew a lot. But I mean, you know, but there was a there's the biopsychosocial model was was not around then. I don't I, I, I'm not a medical professional, but I mean, it didn't seem to be around as much then. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, and and I think we're. I don't know if it's if it's social media or the internet, but we're we're getting um, the lived experience of patients is becoming more and more a part of the research work that I do, as well as like policy um, around concussion. So there's a lot of um, legislation now trying to make sure that we handle things better and that patients get access to early intervention and um, I sit on a couple committees and, and all of them have representation from people who have lived experience with concussion and like, like yourself. Um, it's, I think it's really, really valuable. Yeah. Do, do, do you, is there, is there representation from say just a female, a female perspective or is it just, is it just, they just have groups that say sport and work and whatever they have those and not necessarily female um well it it kind of varies depending on the goal of the of the committees but um there are yeah there's representation i don't i'm not on any sport focused committees at the moment um but instead of before it used to be like researchers and clinicians and that's who was making the decisions about how we should handle things and now there's always at least one, usually more, um, people who have been through the system who can tell us, like, this is what works and this is really what doesn't. Um, so that, you know, hopefully we're doing a better job of serving the people who actually need um, these services and recommendations. Yeah, I mean, there, there are so much work to be done in this. Yeah. Women and girls especially, and, uh, and also just in brain drain in general. 
So what what you're doing. So um, yeah. So I really hope that I can find more more people involved in research and connecting women and girls who want to talk about this important issue. So uh, yeah. So thank you so much, Megan. And uh, is there anything else you wanted to, you wanted to talk about? You wanted to mention. Uh, I think that was everything. Um, if people want to talk to me more, I have a Twitter account, which is at Megan Adams PT. Um, and uh, like you said, I have uh, I run One Brain Neuro, which is uh, I do I do courses and um, clinical consultations for people, like for for healthcare practitioners and and fitness professionals who work with people who've had brain injuries so you can find me there as well. And what is that what is that site or that those Embodia? Uh I teach the courses through Embodia, which is an online um, education platform for healthcare professionals. But my personal website is uh www.onebrainconcussions.com. And I'm on one brain neuroscience right now dot com. Yeah it's it directs to the same thing. And uh, Megan, Adam, MeganAdams.com is where I can find out more about you and what you're doing. My research. On how yeah, up to yeah. update is that? I'm not sure if that, is that research. That one is, yeah, that's up to date. Okay, well, that's where I got most of my research for my my little Perfect. snippet about you but and the uh, intro. So uh, thank you so much, Megan, for being on this podcast. And uh, hopefully women and girls involved in the concussion or who have had concussions will reach out to you or hopefully find some or someone someone who would know who knows something about how to help them better than just general maybe maybe there is maybe there's not but maybe there's better research they found so hopefully there's at least sparking interest in that these those hopefully this podcast will spark interest in that and more podcasts to follow so thank you so much megan thank you for having me it's been fun thanks Thank you again to Megan Adams, and please find her on Twitter or at her website at One Brain Neuro. Please visit me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Concussion Talk, and please visit my website at www.concussiontalk.com. Thanks so much for listening, and hope you listen again soon. As always, music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound www.bensound.com Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.